You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I'm your co-host, PJ, along with my other co-host, Matt Childs. Matt, oh my gosh, you don't even have one of your You Are Here collection mugs. You have some I don't. cheap plastic cup, man. What's just up a, with that? Just a plastic cup. Just a plastic cup, man. Yeah. What, what happened? I left my mug in the car and so you, just just you one of those days. You, you could. Yeah, so good, in the break room. In the break room. Yeah. There you have it. <laughs> awesome. Well, good to see you. Yeah. Here. Yeah, good to be here. We have uh, we had a great weekend, and we have a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. Man, you know, Iron Faith is almost over. And, and you're sad. I'm going to be sad. Yeah, I'm going to be sad because this has been something that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. And I, well, I do hope that we can convert it into something that could – Live a little bit longer than a series. I'm, I'm hoping. Oh, so. like like a book? Uh, well, I'm I'm hoping. I'm, I'm okay. hoping something like that because I I think it's been helpful for me, and hopefully it's been helpful for other people to think through the Christian faith and Christian endurance. Yeah, and how they all play together. Well, it's something that's so so personal to you. And um, and it's just fascinating to get to see a little bit of the behind the scenes of all of the intentionality that yeah. goes into an endurance race. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why I will continue to do those. I, you know, I I didn't. I was going to do a half Ironman this year. It just it just didn't work out. Hmm. And then next year, I'll. My plan is to do at least a half. Okay. Um, I don't. I won't have time because when you talk when you when you talk about doing a full, I mean, there it really is a lot of training. I mean, mm. it's twelve to fifteen hours a week. Mm. You know, in the bulk of it. Yeah. And so when when I'm looking at my schedule next year, I I, I just don't know if I have really a season where I can pull off. You know, at least mm-hmm. two months where I'm devoting twelve to fifteen months a week to that. Yeah. But in 2025, that would be a goal. Okay, you know, that would be a goal to do another full. Because again, I, I just don't. I didn't want to do just one full and be done. I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely want to do multiple. You know, multiple fulls as much. You know, as long as I'm I'm physically able. And yeah, I'm still relatively young. <laughs> you know, some people are like, yeah, you young, and which yeah, so relatively young because there are some people like my kids think I'm old. So. Yeah. I'm sure even they do. That they, even though they do tell me sometimes that they, their friends have much older parents than, than they do. So I'm oh. like, well, is that a good thing? Or is that about, like, what do you say? Why, why are you saying that? I mean, <laughs> don't really understand why you tell, you know. So, are they much wiser? Like, is that the uh, connotation? I have no idea what they mean by that, but <laughs> I have heard that. Oh, that's funny. Um, so let's get into this week. It was uh, Iron Faith, Fuel for the Faith. This is September 23rd and 24th. Scripture we have is Matthew four one through eleven, and as a reminder, the uh, the aim of the entire series is to help construct a theology of endurance so that we will have the faith that goes the distance. You started out with three things that you needed to run well, you needed to train well, you needed to prep well, and then you needed 
needed to fuel and pace yourself well. And I could have condensed that one as I got to thinking about it is I could have just condensed it down to I needed to execute. (laughs) Oh, okay. So I needed to train, needed to prep, needed to execute. And so, but yeah, part of that execution is fuel and pace yourself well and just be aware of your surroundings because that's part of Mm. executing well. Mm. But yeah, so I'm like, eh, well, it was a little wordy. It is what it is. So, yeah, I like that idea of executing well because if you train and prep well, then then now now you just need to execute. I mean, and that's what athletes do they train, prep, then execute. Mm -hmm. And so, same thing with the Christian life you're going to train, you're going to prep, you're going to execute. And our execution is daily. Mm. So, again, those disciplines are the training, Mm. the prep is the rest recovery, is the understanding of pain and suffering because, again, you're prepping your your mind um, and then you're going to execute. Daily you're going to execute. So that's life. Life is the execution, and obviously, part of that part of that life as the as a Christian is training and prepping. But mm. but most of life is execution. Mm. And so, if you're not training well, you're not prepping well, you're not going to execute well. Yeah. And I think that's why many people or many Christians live what they would probably deem as a as a defeated Christian life because they're not training and prepping well. Mm. And so they don't feel like they are succeeding. Mm. They don't feel like they are running well Mm. because there is a thing of not running well. Mm -hmm. And I I hope, you know, and that's why I wanted to use that, at least that that idea of just an Ironman of training, prepping, and then kind of, you know, executing Mm. as – the context of really putting this message is that everything that we've been doing and talking about prior to this weekend's, this past weekend's message was the training, Mm. was Mm. the prepping. Mm. Now, if you really want to execute well, Mm. here's what you, here's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. This is how you're going to have to arm yourself. This is how you're going to have to fuel yourself. Because when I think about, you know, I thought about, I will show some pictures, more picture, you know, I know when I finished the race last November, I did show some pictures, but yeah. I'm actually going to show this, you know, this coming week. I want to show a video of me crossing the finish line, but you know, some more, some more pictures of of when I participated. But but man, you talk about having to lay everything out, and then every, particularly during the the biking portion and the running portion. I mean, I had it all laid out of how I was going to execute, but also I was so worried. About about hitting a pothole, uh-huh. running over a rock because I one you talking about not prepping yourself like I could have changed a tire if I needed to, if I needed to, but I was so like because I knew that if I had if I if my tire went flat, I knew that if there was not someone there to help me, it was going to take me much longer mm. to change that tire. So I am completely aware because I don't want to be tripped up yeah. from running well because yeah. that could cost you 30 minutes to an hour. Really? Oh, well, for, for me. Now, sure. some people knew knew exactly what – but I had, I had only simulated changing a tire once. Ah, uh, Okay. 
so I'm I, not as confident. I hadn't you know, even in thought it. of that. So, so when I talk about this idea of being aware of your surroundings, I am. I am looking in front of me. Like, okay, is there a lot of gravel here? You, you know, and making sure because running over just some small pebbles is yeah. not going. You know, not typically not going to do anything. But you could hit a, a, a particular kind of rock just right, and it will puncture your tire. And then now you got a flat tire. And you're going to have to, you know, again, because you're you're race mode, man. Like, so you you've got to now you have to shift your. Okay, now I got to I got to repair a tire. And they do have people that are traveling. I mean, they got some motorcycles, they got some cars that will help help you. But it's not like you can radio them in. You ain't even got your phone. So, yeah. So again, those are ideas. You know that that's part of the exit. You know, so that's where I want want people to realize is that, you know, when you're living your life, like when you are in rush hour traffic, going like that's life. When you are in the midst of your workday, that's life. When you are at the recreation field, that's life. When you're at home and you are kind of resting for the, you know, in some sense, you're kind of resting for the day, but you have all of these like home chores that you've got to do or you're trying you mm. have this routine that you're doing with the like that's life so you are executing and so you just need to be aware and so that's where i was i'm hoping that people really see mm. that what we talked about this past weekend this is the grind this is when you are executing life and so this isn't you, you know the, the the you know anywhere from the 32 to to the 42 uh, hours or plus that you're in corporate worship this isn't the you know the the 10 15 20 30 minutes of prayer daily devotion while you're sipping your coffee moment you, you know th- this is man this is the daily grind of life and mm. this is how you're going to fuel yourself this is how you're going to make make sure that you're pacing yourself mm. that you're arming yourself to overcome the temptations that you will face in this race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, using that word, the grind, that's that's an interesting thing because as we were talking through this, it, it, can, it can be boring. The execution can be boring, can be taxing. I mean, I even think about um, a couple months ago, we were at a leadership conference and they said, hey, good leadership is, is boring, right? So there's this, uh, there can be this monotony of, Day in, day out execution. I think sometimes just that fact trips us up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, like because the Christian life isn't something that you do on the weekends. Mm. It is life. This, yeah. this, this is your life. You follow Jesus, so you are a little mm-hmm. Christ Christian, little Christ. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it, it is in the daily grind. And just, to, you know, again, even when you look at the spiritual disciplines, right? So prayer, confession, like, yeah, you, you ought to have a life of prayer. And so, yeah, you're mm. going to pray through these moments because, again, those are part of that fuel, you, you know, because those things that we own, I know we'll talk about them later on. But but part of the fuel is that you're talking to the Lord of what you need, you know, kind of you know what you need. But, you know, corporate worship, you're not always doing that. Silence mm. and solitude, you're not always in silence and solitude. Mm. Learning, I mean, again, you're carving out sometimes to do that spiritual discipline. So that might be 10 or 15 minutes before you go to bed. It might be 10 or 15 minutes in the morning where you're reading through a book. Maybe at mm-hmm. lunch, you're mm-hmm. taking a little you know, a little bit of your lunchtime. You're carving out some learning, maybe journaling. But again, that's not your daily grind. Christian fellowship, 
you can't always be hanging out. You can't mm-hmm. always be in a small group. Um, you know, discipling. Now, again, these are moments that you're carving out and disciplining yourself and exercising, uh, giving. Again, you're carving out this time to exercise those faith muscles. But again, when you when you uh, uh, accumulate all of that, you know, that time to these spiritual disciplines, again, that that. That's going to be a fraction hmm. of your life, but but the majority of your life is going to come in the daily grind. Hmm. It is in your marital duties that you have. Um, you know, it's in the, the the parental duties. It's in your work, your career, your vocational mm-hmm. duties. It's in your recreational like. All of yes, that's the daily grind, Mm. and so that's what this past weekend's message was all about. Is how do you live well as a believer in the grind, the daily grind of life? That's great. Yeah, and as a reminder, the main point uh, said two ways to do well in the race. You'll need to arm your faith to overcome the obstacles you'll face, and also to maintain the pace, you'll need to fuel your faith throughout the race. Um, and you just you just clarified for us the Christian life is one big long race. Every day we wake up, we are continuing that yeah. race. I mean, think about the Tour de France mm. or the Tour de France. De France, yeah. See, yeah. I, I can send them, <laughs> but they wake up every morning. They're on the same race. But they wake up, and then I even heard about this other race that when I was living in Illinois, and they may have it at other places. But it was like a Ragnarok type of race. It was it was a cycling race, but they went from one end of uh, Iowa to the other end of Iowa. Oh. So they would you know travel or they they would ride I don't know seventy eighty ninety miles stop, oh. you know, and then they get up and so. But the Christian life is it's one big long race. It's not individual races. It's one big long race. Hmm. And so if you're going to run well. This is this is how you're going to do it right here. Mm. This is going to ha- this is how you're going to do it. Uh, in our outline, you said we will answer three questions for how to arm ourselves. The first is who or what will we face as obstacles in this race of faith. The second is how do we fuel and arm our faith in this race. And then we finish with uh, what is our where is our care team to serve us through this race of faith. So to start. Um, you know, usually when somebody comes to Christ, there's a lot of a lot of energy, and it can feel like a sprint. <laughs> it can feel like they're really sprinting. But we talked about this; it's a long journey. So, so is there a difference in the fuel that's needed for a sprint of a race versus a long journey? Well, I so I think when people come to Christ, I think there is a an excitement. Mm-hmm. There is that newness. Mm. There is their eyes being open, like, oh my gosh, where where has this been? I met a lady even this morning. She was down in the cafe yeah. coming to our women's Bible study, and she, and uh, she's new to the faith, just wow. a couple years in, and she's a sponge. Yeah, yeah. And so, while newer believers tend to have that excitement, that passion, and I wouldn't even say it's a sprint, like. It's almost like you won't be able to maintain that. But here's what I think happens, and this is why I think this message is so important, is that when you when you start getting into the Christian life and you start seeing 
what Christ has called you to, if you don't train well, if you don't prep well, you're going to find yourself frustrating yourself well. Mm. And mm. then there, you know, then that excitement turns to frustration, and then that frustration turns to defeat, and then you just completely drop out. Mm. And so, and that's something that I, you know, I, I hope people do see of me, and I think they are seeing. It. And, and again, not every church leader or pastor has to be as animated, you know, as I. Am. I mm. That's just my style. Yeah. Uh, but I'm passionate. Like I'm passionate about the word. But the reason why I'm passionate about the word is because I'm passionate about Jesus. He changed my life when I was eight, and I've never been the same. And I'm continuing. To be conformed into the image of Jesus, mm. like I was, uh, I was actually thinking about this as uh, I went for a, a long walk yesterday. Because okay. one of the things I like to do on, on a Sunday is after I, like I, sometimes I just nap hard, and when I wake up, I feel like I've been hit by a train. And Joni told me yesterday, she's like, well, "That's because you slept too long." And so I'm like, "Well, like super groggy." Yeah. Oh, I'm just like, "What in the world?" So I, so I go for about a almost a five mile walk. Okay. Didn't take my phone. Didn't listen to any music, but just wanted to be. You just want to be with the Lord with, with my thoughts and. And not that the Christian life has become easy for me, because I can, you know, I mean, I still struggle, just like the the, the best of them. But but the reason why I, I you know, I, I can in some sense even feel like it's becoming easier is is because I'm growing in my awareness of my imperfections, of my sin, of my vulnerabilities, and letting letting Jesus fill those spots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, but but and, and I think I've kind of shared this, you know, kind of you know in the past. But you know, take somebody who um, struggles with an addiction, mm-hmm. and they're uh, they're they're trying to they're trying to overcome their their addiction, and so. And I know, like in AA, like they give you like a little, or at least according to the movies, they are in the in the movie shows. But they give you like a little coin to tell you how long you've been sober. They do. How long? Yeah. yeah. That, uh, they still do that. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then when you and then when you fall, you got to give it back, mm. right? And so, so what you're really trying to do as you because we're not perfect. Christian life is not about being perfect. It's about it's about having a fertile heart where you are becoming more like Jesus. Mm. But what you want is these uh, these these shorter you know instances where you're constantly falling. You're wanting them to become longer in duration, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, because what that's showing is that you are growing more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. But but what you're going to find in the Christian life is, you know, as you're growing in one area, you're going to learn. You know what? This other area, yeah, I need to grow in this area. And so now, as you're learning in this, you know, in this other area that you're really bringing under the the authority and the lordship of Jesus, He's going to give you another area, and then you're learning to bring that it's because you're trying to bring your entire life under the lordship of Jesus. And what these what these four ways of fueling and arming yourself, yeah, I'm telling you, it covers every realm of life. And that's what I want us to kind of really dig into because you are, you're learning as a believer to to bring every area of your life under the lordship, under the authority mm. of Christ so that mm. in every area of your life, you're reflecting, you're imaging him well. Mm. Yeah, and you really spent, um, you spent a good uh, chunk of the sermon on those four 
Before we get there, um, we talked about the devil and also temptation. So you made a statement, don't be afraid of temptation. So why is it so important that we shouldn't be afraid of temptation? Well, you know, if you look at the Lord's Supper and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, so don't be afraid of it because you, there there is this element that what we're what we're facing, God has given us the power to overcome, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. what we're seeing in Jesus. Mm-hmm. He is the power to overcome. Like mm-hmm. that was the whole point of the the temptations there in the wilderness is. Yeah. Jesus is demonstrating that he is the better Adam, he is the better Israel, and the only way that we can successfully overcome temptation is by relying mm-hmm. and living in his power. Mm-hmm. That's the again that 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 is the only way. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid of temptation because it gives us the opportunity once again to confirm what has been affirmed. I mean, that's the yeah. thing about what this this whole idea of Christian endurance is that that this daily race is constantly confirming what what was affirmed the moment that you became a Christian. Like if you really did. I mean, cuz in this in this series we talked about justification, mm-hmm. sanctification, glorification. Those are the three legs of the salvation stool. Mm-hmm. And what 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 happened at the moment of conversion, that's when God affirms you that you are his, that you are his child, that he has worked salvation for you. You are mm. trusting mm. in him for salvation and that you are repenting. And you know, I was even thinking about this too because I know – you know, I, I, at least in our context, in our Western context, this idea of repentance is more applied to you're no longer living your own life. You're no longer being in charge. You're, you're, you're no longer the one who's dictating mm-hmm. how you live, uh, where you uh, like. Sure. Like again, that that's the Western context, but. If we were in a Middle Eastern context or if we had more Muslims uh, that were present in our congregation, it's, it's, it's repenting of, you know, Allah, you, you know, is no longer calling the, the, the shots uh, mm. in the Quran. Uh, Muhammad is no longer your authority. Mm. No, now it's Jesus. Jesus is your authority. Mm. So it's this repentance. It's this change of mind from mm. where you were walking, who's leading you, mm-hmm. who's controlling you, who's mm. guiding you. Mm-hmm. Now repentance is I'm going to drop that, and now I'm going to let Jesus be my God. I'm going to let Jesus be my Lord. Uh, Jesus is my Savior. He has saved me mm. from my sins, mm. my the penalty of my sins, and so, so that, so that's where this idea of repentance really is is coming in. Is that I, I'm no longer, and that that's what happens at the moment of conversion. Yeah. You repent, you confess that Jesus Christ is King, He's Savior, mm-hmm. and and then now the Christian life, even when you face temptation, it is about confirming what what Jesus has affirmed in you hmm. that. That you no longer in you know you no longer are in charge. He is greater is he who is in you than he who is in the 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 world. Mm. And so I and and um, so that that's the Christian life. Oh, it's so good. 
Yeah, temptations are opportunities for confirmation. And you said it another way. It's Satan's temptations are trying to distort what God has already done in your life. And uh, and you describe temptation as to prevent you from becoming like Jesus and thus imaging Jesus. I think that really gives us a, a different view of what temptation is. Yeah, and if and didn't even so, and if you if you kind of go back to this idea of Matthew four stressing the sovereignty of of Christ. Um, who who he is that he again he's the better Adam he's the better Israel you have in Hebrews the author of Hebrews says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are but he did not sin and what you, what you're really seeing in Matthew four and 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 other parts of Jesus's uh, ministry and, and mission but but you really see it pronounced here in Matthew four he really is tempted in every way and mm. he overcame it. And so if you if you take that concept and then you look at what Paul writes in Galatians for I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God. Now again, mm. this is where every single day the daily walk with Christ when you face temptations you're letting him live through mm. you. Mm. And and cuz you know that you're going to face temptations, Jesus faced temptations but he overcame. You're going to face temptations from the devil, mm-hmm. the world in the flesh. Now, what is fascinating, and uh, if you've never read the book, The Screw Tape Letters, I would really highly recommend. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it might be a hard read, but I, I don't. I don't think it will be a hard read uh, for for many people. But it is a book written by C.S. Lewis, and he has this really different spin on it because he writes it from the perspective of hell. Yeah. Of yeah. of Wormwood trying to teach, I think it, it, you know it's a pupil of his, maybe even I don't know a nephew of his, yeah. of how to tempt Christians, yeah. to get them to fall, yeah. And it, it's fascinating. But here's the thing: if you're not doing anything for Jesus, the devil ain't worried about you. Yeah, you're not a threat. Yeah. And here's what I would even I would even challenge is like. If you're not moving in the direction of Christ, have you even accepted the call of Christ? Mm. And that, that's that salvation call. Because, again, if you're not moving in that direction, then it goes back to the chart we've been looking at of the true church, false church. Like, if you're not moving in the direction of the new city mm. where, where Jesus is calling you, where you're going to be, because that's where Christian endurance, like the definition is that the, the last element of the definition is that one of these days you're going to be physically mm. present with him. Like, so I'm moving in that direction. Mm. So that's where I'm like, if you're not even moving in that direction, like, have you even answered the call to move in that direction? So that's neat, you know, that's... Again, we've we've talked about that, but it's a fascinating book, the Screw Tape Ledgers, because it's talking about how hell is trying to get the church, get Christians to trip up, yeah, uh, to not run well, to not be faithful. So it's a fascinating book, yeah, to be distracted, to be apathetic, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. be lukewarm, yeah, yes. yes. And so we 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 face those the mm. the devil, the world, and the flesh. You, you had mentioned, um, you know, speaking of the devil, you you said um, you said he can go back, he can go to hell, 
Yeah. And yeah. you said you, you believe in a uh, literal devil. You said, that, you know, the world um, wants to say one doesn't exist. So why do you think that is? Why do you think we've gotten to the point where the world wants to, wants to just not even think the devil exists? I mean, as, to be honest, I don't, I don't even know if I – I mean, I would have thoughts, but I, I don't even know. I, I think it is kind of a Western mindset where it, if we don't believe it exists and it somehow makes us feel better. Yeah. But – Well, and I think that – so the enlightenment, I think there's the, the supernatural element of just not – just wanting to – hey, we can't see it, so let's just not even – not even what, uh, entertain that. Yeah, you know. And what's fascinating now is that okay, there is this there there is at least a difference being or at least trying to be articulated of the difference between re- religious and spiritual, and that you do have a lot of people saying they're spiritual. They may even be mystical, sure, but yeah. they're not religious, so yeah. they're not going to believe kind of the the religious elements of what they would perceive as organized religion. Yeah, yeah. So that that yeah. So they might believe in 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 a, in a spiritual kind of realm or kind of a spirituality, yeah. but not in literal beings. Yeah, sure. Which, but then again, you're trying to strip. Like, so okay. Then how do you like? And then like, well, how are you crafting that even that understanding? You know, what is your authority that you're building that understanding, your spiritual understanding on? So that, that that's where the the current cultural landscape is losing meta narratives, meaning that they're losing these these bigger stories. You know, because again, if you look at uh, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity—the the three big—they're all based upon meta narratives. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you can look at you know Hinduism has a larger meta narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Buddhism has a larger meta narrative. But these post postmoderns that in some sense want to conjure up whatever their their truth is, they are their narrative, and it's a very micro small narrative. So I'm like, well, where where do you get this? Yeah. B- because even in, you know, even in Eastern thought, there there is good and evil, mm-hmm. and, and there is you know kind of a um, a weird kind of articulation of it. But yeah. nevertheless, yeah. It, they try to frame it out for you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that just speaks to our our need to be um, discerning, right? We yeah. need to discern well, and we need to ask really good questions. And um, and yeah, if 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 someone comes to us and talks about spiritual and not religious, and we can ask them and challenge them, where where does this come from? And that you know, uh, many times as I've gotten into conversations, it'll be it'll be a person, right? It'll be an, an influencer that is, but they don't quite know where that you know where that philosophy, where that thought came from, where it you know what it's grounded in, and and I think that's dangerous. I think if we're going to follow something, if we're going to stake our life on it, we should know <laughs> the foundation of that philosophy. We should know the yeah. foundation of it. Well, and that's why you know the training part of of being a Christian and understanding God's word really plays a, a, a huge role. Like I'll give you a, an example of this in terms of understanding. Uh, uh, the the meta narrative of scripture. I had someone email me and 
they asked me because they were reading the Bible, and I'm like, man, it's awesome. So you have someone reading the Bible, but they emailed me, and they said they had opened up their Bible to Psalm 18.8, and and it said smoke, and they quote, smoke came out of his nose, burning fire came out of his mouth, and it, and and um, and they they said I am confused about how David crushed his enemies with God's help and God's purpose, and in our time on earth, crushing enemies is bad. Hmm. Okay, I, yeah, I, I chased me, you know, and like he quotes um, David again. I chased my enemies and caught them. I did not quite. Uh, I did not quit until they were destroyed. I crushed them so they couldn't rise up again. They fell beneath my feet. And he's like, I beat my enemies into pieces like dust in the wind. I poured them out like mud in the streets. And so, uh, and he's like, how do I reconcile that? And I'm like, okay, so I, great question. So I respond and I'm like, well, to understand David and how he viewed his enemies, it's important to understand the larger context. It actually goes all the way back to the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12 that there would be people who would try to curse Abraham and his descendants, meaning Israel, and there would be people who would try to bless Abraham yeah. and his descendants. Yeah. And God throughout the Old Testament is promising a land to give his people and also to give them victory and rest over his enemies. And so that's ultimately what David is talking about, to wipe out uh, and crush God's and Israel's national enemies. Hmm. And this would be more in line with nations today having other nations as enemies. Hmm. So today, under the new covenant uh, that has been made available by Jesus, the church doesn't have national enemies. That's why we don't believe in Christian nationalism. But we do have enemies like our sinful nature, Satan and the demonic world and those who hate Christ and his church. But we do not wage war from a nationalistic, violent perspective to defeat enemies. We seek to wage war through word and deed, through Mm. sharing and showing the redeeming power of Jesus flowing through our life. Just as we see, see how Jesus actually won, purchased redemption for the nations. How did he do it? Through his life, mm. giving up mm. his life as a sacrifice mm. for for them. So, so, but again, that that comes like so. If you if you're just reading scripture, yeah, in a very when I say kind of in some sense literal sense with no context, yeah, with no overarching understanding of the meta narrative of God, then yeah, sometimes you're going to be confused. But see, that's where. Training and prep yeah. is that you need Bible study. You need other people who are a little further along ahead to help you understand those contexts. And so that's so, 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 so important. important yeah. You know? So important to a- to ask good questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I would assert that if you're not, uh, if you're not confused um, by reading the Bible, you're probably not reading it deep enough. Yeah. And if you think you know, oh yeah, like it is a it is a complex um, context. Yeah, so um, I love that. I, I love that response. I it, it sounds like you were really calling them to to zoom out a little bit, right? It's good to to zoom in, but but zoom out a little bit. Ask good questions and and understand the the larger context, the meta narrative. Because yeah. it goes back to God's mission. God is on mission to redeem a people from all peoples to reflect His glory in all spheres of life. Yeah. And so you see you see that in uh, early on in Adam. Yeah. Even though the nations had not been created yet. Yeah. 
But then with the creation of the nations because of the Tower of Babel, God's going to mm. call out Abraham, and through you, Abraham, I'm going to, I'm going to make a – uh, make you a great name, great nation. Mm. But but God has always wanted to, to save the nations. But here's the thing, that God has always had an enemy, Satan. Yep. And he's also had the enemy of the world. Um, so and that's what we looked at even at the very, you know kind of the very beginning, and we see that even in, in Ephesians six is that there is this this demonic uh, spirit at work in the world through how they live. Now, and I, I made that hopefully I made that clear is that it's not like we're waging war against the flesh and blood that make up the world. Like we want to win them. Yeah. So we are in some sense waging war war against the demonic world, but we're seeking to be salt and light. We're seeking to give witness to hmm. the beauty of Jesus, to declare the good news so that he might redeem hmm. a people from all peoples. But yeah, we we are in this we're caught up in this cosmic battle. The world, the flesh and the Satan and their 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 you know their opposition to the glory and the renown mm-hmm. of of God as King. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well said. So let's move on to the second question: How do we fuel and arm our faith in this race? So I'll I'll run through these four, and then I'll just open up to you to see which which of these four we want to talk about more. Uh, so you said you need to be led by the Spirit and the Scriptures. You need to believe in the Lord's sufficiency. You need to trust the Father's love. And finally, you need to live for God's glory. So that's under the heading of how do we fuel and arm our faith in this race. So which which of those four do you want to talk yeah, about more? I, I, I think the, you know, the Spirit and Scriptures – Speak for themselves, you know. So I don't want to belabor that point. I, maybe I want to let's kind of take the the three temptations and look at the the, the essence of what Jesus was saying, and, and see if we can't dive a little bit deeper into more practical applications. Okay. Okay. So let's take the first one of believe in the Lord's sufficiency. Um, and I do think um, I, I do think that we as human beings, I mean, we have the proclivity prior to even coming to to Christ is to create our own bread. Mm-hmm. So when you go back mm-hmm. to even Exodus and you look at the Ten Commandments, what was the first? Mm-hmm. You shall not worship any other God. And then you shall not make any graven images. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what did they want to do when Moses delayed coming down the mountain? Golden calf. They wanted to make a golden calf. They yeah. wanted to manufacture some bread. They needed mm. something to physically worship. Mm. So we have this proclivity. And then when Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, what did they do? They exchanged the creator for the things that they made mm. through what they created. Mm. So we have this proclivity as human beings to manufacture bread that somehow we believe will satisfy us. Mm. If we believe we can create something that satisfies us, we are completely ignorant. And here's why. Mm. If we have this hunger that we think that we can create to satisfy, then why are we hungry? Mm. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so we're hungry – but but if we feel like we can actually create something that fully satisfies us, 
then we don't know our own self. Yeah. So, because that means we have to constantly manufacture bread. Mm-hmm. But if we go to the source of who made us, hmm. then we have now gone to the source that can manufacture what can fully satisfy us. And at the end of the day, he doesn't have to manufacture anything because he is enough. Hmm. So that's why we don't need to become bread makers. We just need to look to the way maker. And so, yeah, I thought, hey. I thought about that. Yeah. So you just come up with that? Just come up with that, just like that. That's so, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't need to be bread makers. We yeah. just need to look to the way maker. That's it. Because that's ultimately who we're, we need to look to. He's the way maker. So, and it's not a one time looking, right? I think that's no, what that's, we learn, it's right? Every day. Like, yeah. Because th- think about it. All right. So, all right. Let, let's take some of these examples. All right. So, um, you know, Joni and I, we were, we were at the Spark, like, workshop, Spark conference that Pastor Vince or uh, Elder Vince and Charlene, Charlene, they put on this past Saturday. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They did an incredible job. And Joni and I got to share a little bit of our, our story with mm. about, about 100 of, uh, That's awesome. About 50 married couples there. Awesome. So just great. But if you think about some of the issues that we have in our marriage, so they, they talked about the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse in your marriage. So okay. they talked about criticism, contempt. They, they talked about stonewalling and, oh, there was, there was one, mm-hmm. there, were, there was uh, defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So all right, let, let's just look at the four horsemen of marriage. All right. So criticism. When you want to criticize your spouse, all right, think about what you're doing by, by, by being critical of your spouse. It actually makes you feel a certain way. Hmm. When you hold your spouse in contempt hmm. and there's this, there, there's this hate, like you're doing something that is satisfying you, that's giving you some kind of satisfaction, you being defensive, Okay, so I, I and I've, I've done this before, like because sometimes Joni, sometimes see, see, I'm I'm very, you know, I was giving Joni a uh, hard time yesterday, so I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm going to enter into this example with fear and trepidation. Okay, uh, no, but Joni and I, we we have a good time with this, but there are times where Joni will use absolutes like you never, sure, like you never, and I did just remind her. Uh, <laughs> Yesterday, that only Sith lords speak in absolutes. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, only Sith lords speak in absolutes. So, because uh, then you just pull out the one time. Because, well, yeah. We could, and so whenever <laughs> she's done that in the past, like years ago, I would be defensive. Yeah. Now, why would instead of instead of exploring why she feels that way? Yeah. It made me feel better to manufacture some bread. In my defensives or my defensiveness to make me feel better, yeah. like I do take out the trash. Yeah, this is the argument I can win. Uh, exactly. So, yeah. but what? But again, she just baited me hmm. because of what, what she's dealing with. Hmm. She baited me in this temptation to manufacture my bread. Hmm. To make me feel good about myself, as opposed to going, how can I minister to my wife? Hmm. All right, so uh, when mm. we uh, when we compare ourselves, so when we compare ourselves to our coworker, mm-hmm. and we're like, "Well, I do," you know, what you're trying to do is mm. you're trying to manufacture bread to make you feel better about yourself. Mm. 
of what, and to, in some sense, try to justify to yourself why your boss is wrong in giving Susie a raise and not you a raise. Right. But so, so I, those are temptations to manufacture bread as opposed to, like, listen, at the end of the day, I don't need my wife hmm. to, to tell me who I am or who I am not. Because Jesus has already declared who I am. Mm. So when she attacks me, Mm. and she might not even be meaning to attack me, and I feel the need to defend who I am, well, I just – what I'm doing is I'm taking my eyes off the Lord's sufficiency in my life. Mm. When I feel the need to compare myself to my coworker, Mm. now I'm taking taking my eyes off on the sufficiency of Jesus because at the end of the day, I don't need that raise. Mm. To be satisfied. Mm-hmm. Sure, mm-hmm. in a human sense, mm-hmm. in my fleshly sense, did I want that race? Absolutely. Yeah. But when it comes to Jesus, he's enough. Mm-hmm. And undoubtedly, he didn't want us to have that race right now. Mm-hmm. So, so th- that's just how believing in the Lord's sufficiency, just in those two little practical ways that we, like we're yeah. going to do them. Uh, here's another one. Uh, so when, when our children... You know, misbehave, and and we are embarrassed. Yeah, and we feel like we have to, in some sense, manufacture some kind of bread to make us feel like we're good parents. Like, you, listen, mm. you, your your identity is not based upon whether or not your children act well or or don't. Yeah, your identity is built upon what the Lord has declared you to be. Mm-hmm. That you are a child of uh, the king, so so you don't have, and and so for sometimes the way that we might manufacture bread, some parents won't even go out 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 and about because mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to manufacture my bread because I don't want to be embarrassed. Sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, man, your children acting out sometimes is just again, it's just part of their fleshly nature. It's mm-hmm. part of being a kid, yeah. you know, or manufacturing bread. My, you know, kind of might be uh, disciplining out of anger, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because it makes you feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. So, again, these are all ways that we can manufacture uh, bread. We can manufacture bread through taking out too much debt. Mm-hmm. Like, um, And I, you'll hear me say it. I don't think debt is a bad thing. And I know that some people out there, you know, will say, well, what about Dave Ramsey? Well, it, it, Listen, I, I actually believe that when you study the scriptures, there is an element that the Lord knows we're going to take out debt. Like even Israel, hmm. they they were to lend money to not only other Israelites, but they actually lent money to other nations. They were able to charge interest to other nations. They were not able to charge interest to their own. Hmm. Now, but if you start taking out too much debt that you cannot handle, then the borrower becomes slave to the lender mm-hmm. because now you have taken out too much debt where now all you are working for is paying off your debt, yeah. which I do think when it comes to Americans, we have that tendency to be the the borrower being the slave to the lender because mm-hmm. basically we're now working just to pay off our debt. Okay, but in that, I think that 
one of the reasons, again, one, I'm not going to say even is the main reason, but one of the reasons why Americans are in so much debt is because they're trying to manufacture bread. Yeah. And Christians, we fall right into that trap. Mm. And so we're trying to manufacture bread to maybe keep up with the Joneses to make us feel good because I get to drive a car with this little emblem on it. I get to wear this clothes or with this emblem on it or I, whatever it may be. We Again, we're, we're manufacturing uh, bread. Uh, and again, I could go through uh, other things, but we have two other temptations. But any, any thoughts that come to your mind there, Matt, about that? No, I, I, th- I think you have clearly shown that it is uh... – it's something that's pretty prevalent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think all of us can come up with uh with our own examples of uh of that and and really it's it's a reminder to us that this is an ongoing thing, this yeah. isn't a one time thing, it's ongoing and um none of us are immune yeah. um to I, it. Yeah, I just just eliciting a a negative emotional angry outburst. That angry outburst, and this is one of the things I had to learn, is that's a, that, that, that is an element of manufacturing bread because it makes you feel a certain way. Yeah. Like either you've retaliated and it makes you feel good, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. So, again, when you look at that temptation, we have, the, we have temptations every day where – Instead of looking to the Lord as being enough and being all sufficient, we try to take matters into our own hand to supply our needs. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the second you know temptation was trusting the Father's love. You know, and I you know I talked about various ways that you know we we kind of put the Lord to the test whether or not He loves us. Like, hey, if you really love me, heal me or. You know, some students, you know, I've I, maybe I have done this when I was in school, but <laughs> Lord, will you let me do good on this test? I know I didn't study, but if Give you're really me there, day. if you're really there, oh, you know, oh, help me get a good, you know, and it's yeah. like that, that, those are elements, those are, you know, kind of more lighthearted elements mm-hmm. that we've all done. But, there, there's another element that I didn't didn't mention in any of the gatherings, and I'll just mention it here. But we love to quid pro quo God. Mm. So just so that you know, quid pro quo is you know quo is Latin that means something for something. And so, like Lord, if you do this, I'll do this. And 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 again, what 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 we're doing is we're now testing the Lord, like. But what we're doing is putting ourselves in this bargaining position with the Lord. Listen, we are in no position mm-hmm. to bargain with God. Mm-hmm. Like that is not the relationship mm-hmm. that we are to have with him. Mm-hmm. Sure, we have every right because we are his child. Mm-hmm. We are a friend of God. Mm-hmm. And we can go to him and we can ask him for things. Mm. I mean, when I go back to, you know, going back to the pain and suffering message, mm. like when we are experiencing pain and suffering and difficulties in our life, he wants us to come to him and ask him mm. for glimpses of glory. Will you remove this thorn in the flesh? Will you heal me? Of Will you restore health if it would be your will? Mm. But not my will, as Jesus would say, mm. your will be done. And so I, I definitely 
think that we have the temptation to begin to command God during the day for things yeah. as opposed to ask him for things during the day. That's why I love what John Piper talks about in terms of prayer is that prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie that you get to communicate with the commander-in-chief of what you need on the ground to actually uh, advance the mission. Now, what is the mission? Mm. Once again, the mission of God is to redeem a people from all peoples to reflect his glory in all spheres of life. So when you're looking at prayer, wartime walkie-talkie, to communicate to the commander-in-chief what you need to advance the mission. So he wants you... Uh, to to believe in him and sufficient, you know, to believe that he is all sufficient. He wants you to live holy lives, which mm-hmm. we'll look at, you know, glorifying God here in just a second. But but now we're going to pray to him and we're going to ask, mm-hmm. will you will you give me? And this goes back to being led and filled with the Spirit and uh, following the Scriptures. Is that now instead of quid pro quoing the Lord, instead of you know being this this bargain, you know, instead of this this bargain hunter for the Lord, hey, mm. you, you know, will you do this? And if you do this, I'll do this. Or hey, will you know if, if you really love me, will you take this away? Like no, instead of doing all of that, just ask Him for what you need so that you might live for His glory. Mm. So. But again, we're so tempted to begin to demand things from the Lord as opposed to ask for things for the Lord. Because ultimately, that's what Satan was doing is that, Jesus, if you do this, you're basically demanding God to move in order to swoop down and rescue you. Because if you're the son of God, God's not going to let anything happen to you. So we don't demand anything from God. We are of the position that God demands from us. Hmm. So that's why we're not going to put him to the test. Hmm. We're going to sit there and we're going to be the ones that is that 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 are subject to what he wants, hmm. not not what we want from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, we play that role very well. God, we want this. God, I need, you know, and it's kind of like, and we just we, again we, we we play that role of you know we're we're the one in command of the you know the genie in the bottle. Yeah, you know, so yeah. Uh, then the the third temptation is the one where we are going to live for the glory of God, yeah. and, and and this one, in some sense, I would say, just encapsulates everything else. Because again, yeah. it goes back to Hebrews, huh. where Jesus was tempted in every, every way, way, yeah, but yeah. he did not sin. And when you look at these three big big buckets, mm-hmm. I, I can promise you. They fit every big bucket that we would ever face. Like, mm. you, you know, you, I, you know, I didn't even mention this one, but sexuality. Uh, what, like, I'm going to manufacture my own bread. I'm going to manufacture our own sexuality. I'm going to manufacture my own thought, my own philosophy on gender, yeah. so it will satisfy me. Listen, that all that is manufacturing bread. That's a big bucket. Second big bucket, yeah, is that you begin to demand what you want from God as opposed to God demanding what what he wants from you. And then the third one is just really lit. So it's going to really anything those other two big buckets didn't cover, this one's going to cover. Mm. And it's living for the glory of God because living for the glory of God means that you die to yourself. Mm. Mm. It's not about you. Mm. It's about him. Mm. And when you look at what Jesus was faced with, I mean, he could have took the shortcut. He could have got the nations the way Satan got the nations by disobeying, displeasing, and being disloyal 
to the Lord. But it's on but but that that pathway is short lived. Yeah. Because one of these days, and I didn't even mention this, but I have mentioned it in other, you know, in other gatherings, but one of these days the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdom of our God because one of these days, like so if you take even the chart, so you know, if y'all if you're listening, if y'all have seen the 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 chart that I've I've put up where you have the kingdom of God on on one side and you have the kingdom of man, Egypt, yep. Babylon, and you have the wilderness. Now one yep. of these days, Jesus is going to come back a second time and he will invade the mm. kingdom of man and with a word, with a word, mm. he will destroy. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our mm. God. And so those who have been ransomed and redeemed, a people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people group. So from every kingdom, every tribe, every nation, they will now become part of the kingdom Amen. of God Amen. here in uh, the new city, Jerusalem. And so, so, but for that to happen, it required Jesus living for the glory of God. That's why I worship God alone. Hmm. And, and, I, and I did love the, you know, the, that little wording, that little phrase, I worship the Lord exclusively, even if it costs me everything. Hmm. Hmm. Like, and every single day we have decisions, hmm. little, because it, it, even our motives. Uh, so this is part of where I want people to realize like, what is your motive for going to work? Because if your motive for going to work is not to glorify the Lord, listen, you are succumbing to the temptation of the devil because the devil is the one who will say, hey, man, you're really good at your work. It's okay that you work for yourself. It's okay that that's your paycheck. It's okay. Mm. No, 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 no. That That is not true. Every single your motive for going to your work, your motive for even getting a paycheck is not for your glory, mm. your renown. It is for the it is for the glory and the renown of King Jesus. That's why when people come up to me and it, and I love it, I really do. Like I, anybody, I would hope would like encouragement and in some sense of affirmation of how God's using you. But but I have people coming at me and man, that spoke to me like I just lo- like love. I love your preaching. And here's what I tell people. Well, if if anything good comes from me, it is not from me, it's from him. And yeah. to God be the glory. Yeah. And I don't want and like like no. I, again, I'm grateful that God uses me, but I never for a moment want to think that I preach for my own glory mm-hmm. or I preach for affirmation mm-hmm. or I preach for encouraging words or emails. I preach for the glory and the renown of King uh, Jesus. And so mm-hmm. uh, when you think about giving, like I know that there are Christians out there that are part of Northland Church. They are robbing the glory of God because they're not tithing. Mm-hmm. Like you are succumbing to the devil's temptation. And maybe that's part of your flesh temptation too. Is like you know, I, I want what's mine, or I need this, or but the, but then but here's one of the things that I would say too, and I and I probably could show it if I really wanted to build it out. 
But the the three temptation circles of sufficiency, mm-hmm. of trusting that the Lord loves you, and living for God's glory, they all overlap. Because just take giving for a moment. So that you could either be succumbing to the devil's temptation. Hey, it's yours. You don't need to give to the Lord. He's already got enough. Or, you know, other people will take care of it. And, and, and maybe you, you fall into that trap. Or maybe you feel like you're manufacturing bread because you don't think that you can afford to tithe. Well, what you're saying now is that now I can't live for the glory of God because I believe that what I need here for this money that I would that God would want me to give is manufacturing bread mm. that I think I need to be satisfied. Mm. Mm. So so they're kind of in relationship with one another. And again, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really trying to stress that this is where the rubber meets the road. This is executing the Christian life. Yeah. This is running well because you, you and I are not called to rob God of His glory. We're actually, as Christians, called to give God the glory mm. through how we steward mm. our treasure, through how we steward our time. Like if you can't say no to things. Mm. And you're burning your you're burning your candle at both ends to where you can't even serve the Lord by serving His body. Listen, something has to give. And again, I'm not I'm trying not to put a guilt. I really don't want to put a guilt trip because I never. And obviously, that's why I did not say it. You know, in yeah. these gatherings, yeah, uh, because I don't want you to ever feel like you, you know Pastor Josh is guilt tripping people, but. But here's what we do know from from the Bible is that if we want to honor the Lord, we will serve his bride. Mm. But if we cannot if we can't even carve out enough time in our life to serve the bride, I promise you you're not fully living for God's glory. You're not running as well yeah. again as you possibly can. Mm. And these are just in a couple areas. And this is why I want to say it is this Long obedience in the same direction where you are bringing mm. every area, mm. every mm. fault. Mm. Like that's why you know Paul's going to say, "Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ." Like th- this is a long, long race where you are learning how every single thought, every single area of your life should be brought under the lordship of Christ, mm. where every single area you're finding that Jesus is all sufficient. Mm. Every single mm. area mm. you're trusting that the Lord loves you even if you're facing some difficulty, some pain, some mm. discomfort in that area. And then also in every area, in every thought, you're bringing it under the lordship and saying, I want to glorify you. Mm. I want to glorify you with this thought. I want to glorify you in this behavior. I want to glorify you in this this area of stewardship. I want to glorify you. Mm. So, and that's where every choice, think about it, every choice that you have is moving you either in the direction of the finish line or it is actually prohibiting you from even moving forward because I, I hate to even painted black and white picture here, but I do believe it's just kind of black and white in this sense. Your decisions are either moving towards the new city or it's actually relapsing and going backwards to where Jesus saved you from. Mm. Yeah, and that's where you talked about Jesus broke the pattern of humanity because he did not choose the pathway of least resistance. Amen. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, so as we kind of wrap up, you you touched on that already a little bit, 
But I wondered if I know you mentioned that we talk about this further in extra, extra takes. Anything else about that? Because um, you talked about you know your marriage, your relationships, you know how you glorify your your glorify the Lord with your time, talents, and treasures. Um, this idea of choosing choosing death um, that ultimately leads to life, or seemingly choosing life that ultimately leads to death. Any more thoughts on that? Your, your decisions, again, micro. I'm talking about micro decisions. Mm. I mean, because we can, and this is the difference between Christians and non-Christians. I mean, like, if you really want to get down to it, is that on the surface, uh-huh. again, you could take somebody who, let's say it works at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. On, on the surface, they're doing the same thing. Mm. And they might even be excelling at it. Mm. They might be the most Terrific barista in the Starbucks organization. Mm-hmm. But when you drill down why one's there versus why the other one's there, that's where the difference lies in the believer. Mm. And that's where I'm saying that those little decisions and those little thoughts and those micro thoughts, those micro motives, mm. they're either allowing you to run well as a Christian, or they're tripping you up as a Christian, hmm. and, and 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 what and that's where I was talking about. Like we could talk more about this in extra takes, but you, you know, and like I just have in my notes, honoring the Lord in your career and your vocation. You know, I'm not going to cheat my boss. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to fudge on my timesheet. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat. I'm mm-hmm. not going to steal. Why? Because that's not honoring to the Lord. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna seek really to be faithful in my marriage, like because mm-hmm. I know that that's going to honor the Lord. Like Jonah and I, one of the things that we were sharing with the the Spark Conference is that if you really want a flourishing marriage, both of you have to die. Like mm. you have to both die to yourself, mm. so that both of you can live to the Lord. Mm. Mm. And a functioning marriage might have one person die and the other person not, but that's just functioning. Yeah. And if you both aren't dying, then that's just going to be a frustrating, fractured marriage. Mm. And, and right now, you might be, you know, both, you know, both on the same page. But I promise you, there's coming a point where you're not always going to be on the same page. Mm. And, and so you might have a different thought. Like, but again, if you're going to honor the Lord in your marriage, both of you are going to die so that both of you can live to Him. Mm. You know, I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to slander. I'm not going to be malicious to people, mm. uh, even if you think that they deserve it, because you, you're going to realize that the Lord says, "Vengeance is mine." Says the Lord, "It's His, not yours." Yeah. So, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to love. That's why I'm going to love my enemies. So, even if you think that you know, maybe you're a Republican, Democrats, listen, they might be a quote unquote, maybe your political enemy. Hmm. But I'm, but, but as a Christian, I'm called to love, and then even vice versa. Yeah. Like I want to love them. I want to love them. Like I'm not going to go to Facebook, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Like this is the life. It's a crucified life Mm. because Mm. it's the crucified life that actually brings glory to God. Mm. Uh, So, and uh, you know that's why. Like I, I love what what Jesus says. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Mm 
Because if you live for the glory of yourself, ultimately, I mean, this is, I mean, because if you live for the glory of yourself, that, that is, that, that is the antithesis of a Christian. So if that, and that's, again, that goes back to the very first message. If you want to live for the glory of yourself, then you are not a Christian. You, you, you are not. Now, here's the thing. You might find yourself being tempted to live for the glory of yourself, and you might even find yourself living for the glory of yourself. But because you are a believer and the Spirit of God lives mm. inside of you and you have this fertile, soft heart that you do want to live for the glory of God, you're constantly finding yourself mm. confessing, man, I blew it, Lord. Like, I, man, I, feel me. Again, goes back to being led by yeah. the Spirit. Uh, full of the scriptures, man, I blew mm-hmm. it. I did not live for your glory. Mm. I, I, you know, I, I did this, and oh man, I, mm. help me, help me, Lord. Mm. Like mm. so, but, but if you are a believer, even if you've been a believer for a day, here's what the Spirit of God is doing in you. He is. He is prompting you. He is prodding you. Mm. He is pushing you. Mm. To live for the glory of King Jesus. Wow. And so so that's where I will just really want to drill down, yeah. uh, which then leads to the, the, the I, you know, I'll, I'll tie a bow on it, with, is, you know, where is our care team to serve, serve us through this race of faith? Like, yeah. Yeah. here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what the Spirit of God's going to do. The Spirit of God is going to drive you to a care team. Mm. Meaning, the Spirit of God is going to drive you to partner with a church to be embedded in that community and find a handful of brothers and sisters that that you love, that love you. Because again, even in a big church, like like I, I don't want to paint a false picture. Like, yes, I believe in corporate worship. That yes, like yeah, there can be the multitude that come together under the banner of, of a local church that worships King Jesus, that is under uh, under shepherd and other under mm-hmm. shepherds. But at the end of the day, your care team are going to be your closest people. Like, so here is the angels, uh, and I'm sure Jesus knew them by name. Yeah. yeah he had created them. Hmm. But he also had a care team called his disciples. But he had not called them here yet. So right. just note that. Right, He's right. not going to call them until after. This is the beginning of his ministry, which is why I do believe it's a really good sign or a good example for us. Mm. Is that? And again, I, I, I want to be very clear with Matthew 4. Matthew 4 is not, not ultimately written to give us the example of how we overcome temptation. We are applying it that, that, that way. The ultimate reason why Matthew 4 was written is to show us that Jesus is the better Adam and the better Israel, and I specified that up front. But by him beginning his ministry Mm -hmm. in the wilderness Mm -hmm. and how he overcomes the devil's temptations, he is giving us this way that if we follow him, if we are filled with him, then we can run well as we are going through the wilderness to the new city. And mm-hmm. so so if we are going to run well, just mm-hmm. as he mm-hmm. as he, you know, rounded, you know, as he finished up the the wilderness session with being attended to, uh just think about it. We're running in this wilderness. 
it is this long obedience in the same direction. We're going to need a care team to attend to us, to care for us. And it's not a – please hear this. To have people in your life that you need to take care of you, to pray for you, to meet your needs, to bring a meal, to give you counsel – that is not a sign of weakness. Mm. That is a sign of wisdom. Mm. That is not a sign of weakness. That is a sign of wisdom. Oh, if helpful. Jesus, our King, needed angels to minister to him, mm. just think of what we're going to need. Uh, we're going to need his people, mm. his people mm. pouring into us, encouraging us, ministering to us, caring for us hmm. as we as we walk in this healthy pace through the wilderness as we move towards the promised land, the new city. Well said. Well, Northland family and friends, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Extra Takes. Hey, we haven't said this in a while, but if you would love to go on to whatever platform you listen to Extra Takes on and give us a review, you can just click on that five star or if you just even want to write an encouraging word of how God uses Extra Takes in your life and in your walk, we would love to hear from you. So thank you so much again, family and friends. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.